Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody. You are listening live to a very special election edition of the Red Zone Sports Report. We are uh, coming at you today a day early and an hour earlier than we normally come on uh, because uh, there's a big election. Rumor has it there's a big election in the country tomorrow night. And uh, we uh, we wanted to get the show in before the election and uh, also kind of get it in before the big Monday night football game tonight. We've got the, uh, the Buffalo Bills playing Monday night football tonight all the way in the Pacific Northwest against the Seattle Seahawks. And so, unfortunately, the Buffalo bad boy Pete Tasca will not be able to join us tonight as he is uh, in preparation for tonight's game. And uh, uh, Steve, uh, Mr. Savage Byrne, I think we could appreciate if the Atlanta Falcons were playing a road game today against the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know that we would be hosting this podcast tonight either. So we uh, we want to wish uh, the uh, the Buffalo bad boy, Pete Tasca, uh, best of luck tonight. Wish the Buffalo Bills best of luck tonight as they take on Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, and the Seattle Seahawks. But before we get to NFL football, let's talk a little bit of college football. We've got to compress everything into an hour tonight, so we've got a a lot to talk about. We're going to get started with Mr. Matt Metcalf. Matt, big game this weekend down in Death Valley in Baton Rouge between Alabama and LSU, and boy, did the game absolutely – uh, I, I think it's fair to say, Matt, that it, it met everybody's expectations for a tremendous football game. I don't know that it was the football game that we all expected to watch. Uh, certainly was not the game I expected to watch. It was a very old-school football game. But uh, I tell you what, playing in Death Valley at night, not an easy place to play. Matt, Jalen Hurts has been so good this year for the Crimson Tide. Finally looked like a freshman at times. But, boy, that Alabama defense when they step up, uh, they're so good. Matt, thoughts on uh, the game this weekend in Baton Rouge? Uh, pretty much the slobber knocker we've come to expect when it's Alabama and LSU, particularly, as you said, when it's in Death Valley at night. Um, I think I could smell the bourbon through my television when I was watching <laughs> the game. That that crowd was wound up. Um, you know, statistically, obviously, Alabama dominated the game, uh, had the goal line stand, et cetera. Um, and just and you're right, Chip. That defense is as as good as any I've seen in a long time in college football. There are so many ways Alabama can beat you this year. It's almost yeah. like okay, you're LSU. You want to line up, and go toe to toe, and send Leonard Fournette at us. Fine, let's do that. If you want to beat Texas A&M and have a shootout, fine, let's do that. Um, it's you know, Hertz, Hertz did not do much through the air, but the Alabama rushing attack, which was mostly Hertz. Um, put up 216 yards, and, uh, it, you know, it was, like I said, I, I know, Chip, you had said a couple weeks ago when we were on, you predicted the Alabama victory, which was exactly right. I think you thought it would be a little bit easier than this. But let's give LSU yeah. credit. A, they have a lot of talent, and B, Ed Ogeron is honestly the best interim head coach in college football history. all time. Uh, I've yeah, never seen anything like it. Uh, yeah, I don't know it's how the damnest thing. It really yeah. is. And, you know, and uh, in fact, I think I may have said this on a on a, on a cast a couple of weeks ago. But you know, he should just look into this. This should be his gig. Yeah, he should just yeah. float around, and for two million dollars a year, he comes in when you're zero and four, and at least gets you six wins, and you go to a bowl, and then he go he becomes a free agent again. Uh, Absolutely. If there is a school he would fit in perfectly with, it would probably be LSU. So we'll see what decision they make going forward. We'll see what happens. He is. He's the kind of guy that 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 always wrecks his car unless he's driving a rental car, and then he does pretty well. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to see if they end up keeping him on there. Steve Butler, if I would have told you an hour before the game 
that and there were not props on this game. I mean, there's you know there's props on the national championship game and on bowl games and things like that. But if I'd have told you total rushing yards, Leonard Fournette, Jalen Hurts, Fournette plus seventy nine yards, you probably would have taken that bet, wouldn't you, Steve? Uh, there's a good chance I would have, but it, it doesn't <laughs> surprise me because what did Fournette have? Thirty one yards last year against them. Thirty five uh, yards, mm-hmm. seventeen carries. Yeah, but no, last year he had 31 yards against Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's right. I'm sorry. I think he's holding pretty steady with his uh, performances. Unfortunately, they've been pretty bad. (laughs) No question. So, in two years, Leonard Fournette, that's exactly right. I didn't even think about that. 66 yards rushing against uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Kip, Jalen Hurts, you knew he was going to have a game where, you know, he just didn't come with all of it. Um, you know, and he looked a lot. He looked like a freshman Saturday night. In fairness, a lot of quarterbacks have come to Death Valley at night on a national stage and, and looked um, and looked a little off. But uh, Hurts, 10 of 19, 107 yards and in interception. But he did run 20 times for 114 yards. So, uh, you know, uh, Kip, what are your what are your thoughts on the game? And what were what, uh, what were your callers saying on Sunday morning on the talk show? Uh, you know, it's it's funny because Alabama fans are so spoiled, Chip. That that uh, you yeah. know, a lot of them are saying, "Boy, we escaped that," and it was what a nail biter. And and uh, but you know, other than the early turnover in LSU's missed field goal that was blocked on a tremendous player, deflected at least by Harrison uh, from the defensive backfield, there LSU really was never a threat to score ever in that right. game. They only had 129 yeah. total yards. They 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 just. You never had the, I never had the feeling Alabama was in any jeopardy at all. They got to the one-yard yeah. line. There was a lot of angst about them not kicking the field goal there, which I think is fans just being a Monday morning quarterbacks uh, for lack of a football cliche. But uh, I, I, th- I, I think Saban had so much confidence in his defense that he felt like if they could punch it in there, the game was over and, and probably would have yeah. been even taking the field goal. Plus, if you've got Adam Griffith, anybody who's watched a lot of Alabama football knows, He's about as shaky a gun as there is in the West as far as the, the kicking duties are concerned. He missed a 43-yarder earlier in the year, and Alabama fans are anxious for him to uh, head on out of T-Town at the end of the season uh, when his stint is up. But overall, I mean, I, I thought the atmosphere, the uh, you got to give Coach O and his, his, his staff credit. I mean, they had LSU at a fever pitch. The fans were – uh, revved up. It was just a, a, a cauldron of, of doom for any team that would have come in there. And Alabama comes away with a shutout victory. So, um, you know, that was the, and the other big topic was, does Coach O deserve to go ahead and be named? Um, I thought there was a funny line. I, one of the people said that uh, uh, he probably had the 172 electoral votes going into the game, but now it's uh, now, now it's too close to call again. So, yeah. Um, you, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. I think he has to win two out of his last three and has to show some offensive progress. That big goose egg on the board, uh, that's one of the main reasons that Les Miles was shown the door because of their lack of, uh, despite all their recruiting success and the blue chip players they have, their offense just doesn't generate a whole lot of uh, points or excitement. And uh, I, I, think, I think that's still, at the end of the day, going to be the determination. So, they got a tough road. They're at Arkansas this week. They uh, go back home and play the makeup game with Florida. They do get them at home, and then they go to Texas A&M. That's uh, that's kind of a brutal stretch of three yeah. games to, uh, to to be on. Well, four games because exactly yeah, four in a row you include Alabama. Yeah, exactly. So a pretty pretty tough stretch there for Coach O. Um, and you know, I, I I have my doubts. You know, in recent years, think back after losing to Alabama. Uh, most LSU teams over the last three or four years have totally collapsed, especially last year in that late, late stretch of games. And now you add Florida that mix, who's never been there before, has been a cupcake in that spot. So uh, that was the that was the most of the conversation. But any team in the country uh, is going to have a tough time beating this Alabama team because that defense is just so fast. And 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 I I think Matt said it best. They 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 can just beat you in so many ways. No question, and they don't need to be. They don't need to be clicking on all cylinders in order to make uh, good football teams look uh, look bad. In the interest of time, let's kind of move on. Mr. Savage, Burn, Steve Butler, Auburn, 
And, and what was uh, really kind of a trap game for him this weekend, had a noon kickoff Eastern time, 11 o'clock local time against their Vanderbilt team who, you know, has played hard at times this year. They went into Athens and beat Georgia. Of course, you know, we, we don't know what, you know, that it doesn't look like such a, a monumental feat now that Georgia doesn't look great, although uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. It does look like they're peaking a little bit as Auburn's coming in pretty banged up and pretty injured. But uh, never felt real confident watching this game Saturday, Steve, that uh, that uh, that Auburn was going to win. There was an announcement made very shortly before kickoff that uh, Sean White would not be starting, so he hadn't practiced this week. Everybody just assumed that he was injured. And, uh, you know, now there's a lot of chatter on the blogs that it might have been a disciplinary move by Gus Malzahn and not an injury. So, um, in any event, Auburn uh, didn't do a whole lot in the first quarter. Uh, John Franklin comes in. I think he only throws for nine yards in the first half. Uh, uh, Auburn is down 13 to 10 at half. Sean White comes in in the second half, gives the team a spark. But man, I tell you what, that team, that Vanderbilt team, did not want to go away. Thoughts on the Auburn Vandy game this weekend, Steve? First of all, it was a very big win for the Auburn Tigers. It still keeps them on path to to get to an SEC title game if they can run out the rest of their schedule, which only has two big games left in Georgia and obviously Alabama, but. Um, I, it was, I was pretty impressed with Vanderbilt's determination to hang around because Auburn got it going pretty quick in the second half, and I'm leaning towards discipline, you know, discipline action against Sean White because he looked fine. Yeah. He actually he ran the ball a couple of times, I think, and he looked really good to me. And uh, He ran the ball once for five yards, but he still looked very fluid. I, I could not tell there was any discernible injury. Um, and, of course, Cam Petway. What was his, his fifth straight game of over 150 yeah. yards with 173 yards, just plowing people over? I mean, it was the kind of stuff that obviously that is invoked by a Bo Jackson or a Herschel Walker or even a Jamal Lewis, if people remember when he was running people over at Tennessee. Yeah. Um, but long story short, it was a great win for Auburn. I, I was never that nervous, to be honest with you, once Sean White got back in the ball game because that first drive, Auburn all of a sudden look like a different football team. So, anyways, great, great win for the Auburn Tigers. They'll move on to Georgia. But I, I, we're, we're really banged up, to, as you mentioned. But Georgia's offensive yeah. line is so bad, I think our third-string defensive line might be able to still get pressure on the quarterback. I hope so, Steve. Matt Metcalf, uh, Auburn coming into Athens this weekend to take on Georgia. And uh, I tell you, we're going to be without Cam Petway in all likelihood. I don't really see a realistic scenario in which he plays. Their you know, initial reports are he's probably out until the Alabama game, and, and we don't even know then that he'll be ready. But, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Sean White. But this Georgia team looks like it's peaking at the right time. Jacob Eason, pretty solid game on the road against Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky did, you know, the Kentucky team that coming into the game was 4-2 and two in the conference. Uh, Eason goes 17-31, 245 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Nick Chubb, got to think he's still banged up. But uh, Sony Michelle's not a bad backup. Uh, went for 127 yards and only 19 carries. Matt, what do you think this weekend? Auburn's coming in. We're banged up. Uh, coming off pretty lackluster performance at home against Vanderbilt. You know, um, is, are the Bulldogs getting us at the right time, or are there too much going on in that program for Georgia to win this game? Well, I, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the Georgia program, Chip, but the biggest thing is Auburn's a better football team right now. I mean, you know, let's not overcomplicate this. That Georgia offensive line, we can talk about the running backs at Georgia, but there's no holes. This is not a good offensive line. And, again, the only thing that sort of makes you kind of raise your eyebrow a little bit is this is a rivalry game. And oftentimes, you know, the worst cliche in sports broadcasting, you throw the records out when these two teams play. Uh, But outside of that, everything points toward an, an, an Auburn win. Well, I hope so, Matt. Uh, you know, Georgia's playing a lot better on the road than they are at home, so I, I certainly they hope they don't uh, decide, uh, you know, this is the time they want to get their signature win. I would uh, would love to kind of keep that home streak. They're kind of in the same spot that Auburn was for a year and a half. I mean, you know, we went a year and a half without winning any home SEC games, and, uh, you know, uh, this year, last year we didn't win any. So uh, hopefully we can um, make sure that Georgia's a year um, a year behind us in that statistic. Kip Kiefer, well, I've only watched Vanderbilt play twice this year. Had a chance to watch them play Georgia, 
and then I had a chance this weekend to watch them play Auburn. My question for you, Kip, is Zach Cunningham, 6'4", 230 pounds, just outside Birmingham, Alabama. How in the world did Auburn and Alabama let this kid go to Vanderbilt? He is a stud, and he is going to play on Sundays for a long, long time. How'd that happen, Kip? I, you know, I don't know. You know, recruiting, and sometimes you can see why guys miss and 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 it's it's well, you know, it was it was this or that. But I mean, this guy, I mean, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's the most dominant defensive player in the SEC. Period. Alabama's got a great unit, but just imagine that guy patrolling the linebacker position for 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 the tide. If add him to the mix or take him down uh. with the Auburn defense that has been. Uh, uh, such overachievers and played so well in the Kevin Steele system this year. It's just unbelievable to me that uh, that, that he winds up at Vandy, but uh, that's that's what happened. And, and if you watch the Georgia game, he basically won that game single-handed, had 19 tackles in the game, made the big stop on fourth and one when Georgia was probably on their way to the game-winning score. And Saturday really kept Vanderbilt in the game. Uh, was just all over the field. The field goal block was just <laughs> the most ridiculous – maybe athletic play of the season. You talk about some, some vertical, uh, and, and he did it without, you know, it seems like every kick now there's a flag down. I, I, I just love the points of emphasis. I love personal foul, leaping. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's unsportsmanlike conduct, leaping. Uh, yeah. I, I love yeah. that flag, and when they, when they call that, it just makes me grimace. Uh, it's so stupid. <laughs> um, let's 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 come up with some better term than leaping. I I I always think of the twelve days of Christmas. You know, the eleven lords of leaping. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, let's let's come up with a better you know uh, hurling or I don't know. Um, but but anyway, uh, yeah, he's he's an amazing player and. And uh, we we had a lot of great debate on Sunday about the whole Sean White episode. Um, you know, as Auburn fans, I'm just and I know we got we don't have much time, but I'm really fascinated in your guys' take, and and it it really opened up another whole discussion here about college teams don't have to disclose anything about injuries, about disciplinary actions. They can basically just keep their cards right to the vest. This was a close, a far more closely guarded secret. Than uh, you know, that, that, let, let's say a Secretary of State with national security. So, um, <laughs> I, I understand James Comey is checking Gus's email right now to see if uh, there was any disclosure. But, but the bottom line is, you know, with the big fan base, I mean, going being at the game and finding out right when the first snap occurs, basically that that your starting quarterback isn't going to play. Is there some obligation to a team to at least disclose that there could be, you know, some some trauma in paradise? Or uh, I, I don't know. It, it just was. It's just a strange issue for me. And if it does turn out that it was a disciplinary situation, which we may never really know, but uh, that that really bothers me too. I mean, why the secrecy? And don't tell me it's so Vanderbilt can prepare differently and all that stuff. Uh, you know, Gus comes from a high school background, and I thought this all was kind of high schoolish personally well oh. I, I tell you kim I, I don't disagree with you i um i don't disagree with you i, I think it i think it was a disciplinary issue um you know he, he certainly didn't look hurt in the old miss game sure did um certainly didn't leave that game i mean it's not like you know he got up slow on a play late in the fourth quarter or he got you know he got a stinger in the third quarter and he was limping i mean you go back and look at that it was fine then go back you know, at the beginning of the second half, and I forget who the uh, the talent was that was interviewing Auburn head coach Gus Malzahn, uh, but you know, Sean White was was dressed on on the sidelines, and and uh, you know, um, it certainly looked like he was prepared to play. Uh, anybody that watched the first half of football, it doesn't take a genius to figure out John Franklin is. Uh, is is not a threat to pass the football, which is kind of a problem when you play the position of quarterback. So, um, yeah. you know, when they asked him if if uh, Sean White could play in the second half, he said, "I don't know." He said, "I, you know, he didn't practice all week, but you know, he told us he's ready to go, so we're going to give it a shot." Didn't say he was hurt. He just said he hadn't practiced all week, 
and he said mm-hmm. he's ready to go. So, um, you know, uh, very. Uh, I, I thought it was very interesting in a in a team with what seventy, eighty, ninety players and coaching staff that you could keep that under wraps. But uh, if it was a disciplinary issue, I'm happy it was a two quarter penalty and not a four quarter suspension. Sure. Had it been a four quarter suspension, uh, I don't know that we would have beaten Vanderbilt. In fact, I could I could say we probably would not have. Um, certainly, by the way the first half went, we'll we'll have to end up you know seeing. But uh, yeah, very very interesting, and it. Uh, um, uh, I didn't see Gus. Actually, Gus's press conference, I don't know if they do their press conferences on Mondays or, or Tuesdays, but it'll be very interesting. I think it is Tuesday morning when, when Gus Malzahn does his weekly press conference. So that'll be very, very fun, Kip, to see what ends up uh, what ends up happening. Mr. Savage Burns, Steve Butler, let's pivot a little bit to um, pivot a little bit and talk uh, SEC East versus SEC West. You know, um, <laughs> like everything on a pendulum. Everybody laughs. Yeah, no. Everything normally has a way of evening itself out. That's kind of what we've been saying for the last eight to ten years when it comes to SEC East and SEC West. What a disparity this year. Um, even more pronounced than in other years. I mean, the West, you've got Alabama, you've got Auburn, you've got A&M, which looks like it got caught with the uh, FBS uh, – you know, playoff jinx as uh, every team always finds themselves in. You got LSU, you got Arkansas, who just dominated Florida this week, and then um, you know, and then uh, Mississippi State uh, decides to uh, kind of come back from the dead uh, this weekend too. Um, looking over at the SEC East, um, Tennessee looks like they're in a world of hurt. Um, no pun intended with, uh, you know, uh, some of the defections they've had on their football team. Vanderbilt looked good this weekend, but they're one and four. Nobody's really talking at all about the South Carolina Gamecocks. And very, very quietly and methodically, Will Muschamp has that team at five and four. They're three and four in the SEC. They travel this weekend down to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium in Gainesville to take on a Florida team that I've just not been impressed with this year, Steve. So um, South Carolina, too, got the true freshman Jake Bentley out of Opelika High School. Um, uh, the reason Auburn didn't get him kipped, his dad actually followed Muschamp over to South Carolina to coach. So uh, we missed oh, the okay. opportunity to get that. But I've always uh, had an opportunity to watch Jake Bentley play in high school. And the kid's good. The kid's really good. I didn't think he'd be starting in this conference as a true freshman. But, Steve, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? Does Muschamp and the Gamecocks have a chance this weekend against Florida? Or um, uh, or, uh, or or the, the three wins they had in conference? you think that's probably where they settle uh, at the end of the year. No, they most definitely have a chance. Florida's defense has not been as good as people thought it was going to be. Everybody knew they didn't have an offense, but um, <clears throat> Florida has not been as strong, especially in big games. They've, they've come away with some victories just because of playing in the East, quite frankly. But that Tennessee game, it was just kind of like, wow. Uh, and Tennessee's behind South Carolina in the standings in the East. So, long story short, I think they do have an opportunity, although I think Florida is obviously the favorite in the game. Um, but the East is still a mess, and, and you really don't see any kind of savior to, lining up to, to take one of these teams to where they could beat an SEC West team in an SEC championship. Agreed. And Matt, Matt Metcalf, who do you think represents the SEC East in the championship game in the Dome here in early December? Oh, I could give a damn. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I mean, they, they actually had Danny Sheridan on somewhere the other day. They said, it, it, you know, it really doesn't matter. They're going to be a literally probably a 20-something point dog. Um, yeah. I, you know, you look at it, it could be a tie at four and four. It, yeah. mm-hmm. it, they're really bad. Now, let's, it, you know, if we're going to compare the East to the West, let's be fair and say that in the last three years, um, six of the seven SEC West teams have been ranked in the top ten. The only one who hasn't yeah, is Arkansas, true. and I think they peaked at about fourteen or fifteen. So, yeah. you know, you're, it's 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 a that's a little unfair when you just look at records, and everything. But all that said, all those excuses, they're still really bad over there. 
Yeah. Uh, it'll flip around. It always does. 20 years ago, we'd have been talking about this the completely other way. Um, gun to my head, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Tennessee, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but I just, mm-hmm. I just don't have a clue. And, don't, and really, again, don't know how much it matters. Yeah, I'm with you. I couldn't agree more. It's just uh, it's too bad that the weakness of the at the top of that uh, that side of the division has just made that game, you know, uh, kind of a snoozer in the last few years. Kip, uh, one last question for you before we kind of pivot and uh, we talk a little we talk a little bit of NFL football, but uh, college football playoff rankings. The uh, uh, week number one, the first rankings uh, came out last week. Um, and we mentioned it earlier, a little bit of a surprise that Texas A&M ended up being above a Washington or maybe even an Ohio State, but they did, and sure enough, the committee jinxed them. Uh, Texas A&M goes on to, to get beat this weekend against the Mississippi State team who's really struggled all year um, and uh, really surprised that, that A&M didn't come more prepared to play, but they dug themselves a hole early and just couldn't get out of it. But, uh, you know, uh, talk to us a little bit, Kip, about what you thought of the first poll and, you know, how you kind of see this playing out. I mean, you had Alabama at one, Clemson at two, Michigan at three. It's unlikely there's any changes there. All three of those teams still undefeated and and, uh, won, you know, their games this weekend. Texas A&M obviously will go backwards. They will be out. It's probably likely that Washington end up there at four, but you got Ohio State and Louisville with one loss, and Louisville's loss is to Clemson, and they certainly, you know, the committee rewarded Texas A&M for their one loss coming into the playoffs. So, you know, how do you see this when when they come out tomorrow night? Who do you think is going to be number four? Um, who do you think the committee will have as number four? Well, I mean, everybody's predicting that Washington will rightfully slide into that spot, but I'm not going to be the least bit surprised if it's Ohio State, only because they absolutely thrashed what people actually had allowed to ascend a team uh, to the sixth or seventh spot in Nebraska, which was just an absolute laughingstock of of absurdity. You know, it, it just bothers me during the college season that, that people get all high on some teams, and you, you've got to look at who teams play. Nebraska basically fattened up against a bunch of nobodies at home. They played a very gallant game at Wisconsin, but they just got destroyed at Ohio State Saturday night. But that may vault the Buckeyes into that spot because the committee, I think, by putting A&M ahead of Washington last week, made a pretty strong statement that they think the Pac-12 is, abs- is absolutely uh, you know, yeah. a derailed train. And, and it is mm-hmm. completely upset. And who would have thought? I mean, I know we, you know, in our preseason shows, uh, UCLA, Stanford, we, we we gave them some votes for teams for that, that that could conceivably make the top the the, the playoff. Um, yeah. You know, if you look at that league, it's in complete disarray. Washington, yeah. Washington State, and Colorado are the top three teams in the Pac-12. I mean, did you see what Washington State did to Arizona on Saturday in Tucson? Yeah, it was unbelievable. 69-7. to seven. I mean, Yeah. That, league, yeah, is in, no, that league is in total disarray. So, you know, uh, to, to say Washington hasn't played a strong schedule, they've played all most of the big programs in that league. They do play a resurgent USC team this weekend, which now would be a quality win the way USC's playing. But, uh, I mean, you look at the, the powerhouses in that league. I, I left Oregon out. Oregon's an absolute they're, – they're horrible. So it's, Disaster. It's, it's an, they, they were ranked in the top 25 to start the year. So it, 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 it's pretty fluid right now. Uh, Bobby Petrino, I'm sure you guys heard, he went off on some big rant this week that, you know, I guess he should have been blowing teams out. He, you know, he felt like in some games they could have scored 75 or 80 points. But he yielded, he didn't, he, he yielded to the temptation to do that out of sportsmanship. Which uh, that's not a word that I would really associate with Bob Petrino. Sorry. Uh, you know. So hey, Kim, it, it's the bizarre. it's the year of Donald Trump, right? So it he can say, you know, Everything. Bobby can say whatever he wants, right? So you're it's, absolutely uh, right. Unbelievable. Or or, or, or I I love uh, we're talking political season. I love that all of a sudden Hillary is billing herself as the great unifier. So I, you know, that's right. I, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's you, you can exactly class any label right. to yourself, and in this day and age, I guess it's, uh, I guess it's just it's just par for the course. But I think the committee's going to have a really tough time 
because uh, I don't see anything, I mean, except for Auburn possibly being the real fly in the ointment, if they could uh, pull off a miracle in Tuscaloosa. Uh, but I don't see Clemson uh, running into any problems. Michigan, Ohio State are definitely going to be playing for a spot, I think. And Michigan's another team. I'm not they, – they had two, what, even halfway tough games this year. This week at Iowa will only be their second road game of the year. Their second road game of the year. Yeah. We're right no, at the no. end of the season. And, and no, they no. played, you know, they only beat Wisconsin by a touchdown. Colorado came in and led them 21-7 to until their quarterback got hurt. So, I'm still, you know, I'm not, I'm not signing off on Jim Harbaugh and Michigan being the greatest thing since sliced bread either. So, I, I still think there's a lot of football to be played. And, you know, frankly, I don't care what the committee thinks they'll, they'll, until the very last, the, the very last poll. Yeah, usually it shakes itself out. Would love for Auburn to be a fly in the ointment, but I tell you, this game this weekend makes me nervous. It makes me really nervous, yeah, and I know I always fun. say that when uh, when Auburn plays a game, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it turns out this weekend in, in Sanford Stadium, and it, it will be interesting to see if Auburn does end up, you know, uh, going into the Iron Bowl uh, at 8-2. and two. Wow, that's going to be uh, – that's that's – that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great atmosphere after Thanksgiving. And then, you know, it certainly looks like Ohio State and Michigan are going to go into that game with Ohio State's, you know, right now, what, they'll be 9-1 and one at the time or 10-1, and one, and Michigan will be undefeated. So uh be very interesting to see how that goes. Let's pivot a little bit, guys, and talk about a little uh, NFL football since we are uh, a little bit, uh, little bit pressed for time. Mr. Savage Burns, Steve Butler, we'll start with you. Dak Prescott, Mississippi State, uh, true fresh. would say true freshman, but he's a rookie because it's the NFL. Dak Prescott has led the Dallas Cowboys to a 7-1 and record to start this year. Undefeated on the road. Uh, granted, they played the hapless Cleveland Browns this weekend, but uh, um, I think we have audio of you on the last Red Zone Sports Report saying – Make no mistake about it. When Tony Romo's healthy, he will be quarterbacking this team. Steve, you still feel that way about the Cowboys. How can you possibly make that change now with the success that Dak has had for that team in that position? Well, much like our friends on uh, CNN, Chip, you only gave half my quote. The whole thing was that I would stick with Dak Prescott. I'm allowed to do that, right? It's my show. You're lucky I didn't play only half the clip. Oh, and my good friend, Anderson Lake. (laughs) No, that would be be, uh, be Cuomo. I'm Cuomo. That's right. uh, The morning guy. That's right. Uh, first of all, I said I thought it would be a huge mistake for them not to keep Dak in, but I did think that Jerry would stick with him, especially given his comments. But about, I think it was a yeah. day or two after our show, you heard Jerry really start to hedge, talking about yeah. you know, continuity and this, that, and the other. I think he talked to his football coaches who said, listen, you're out of your mind, Jerry. They'll probably say a little bit different than that. If you, you want to yeah. pull the plug on this kid, he's hot. And more importantly, his mobility allows him to, to make plays down the field that are, might be more difficult for an immobile Tony Romo. Couldn't agree more, man. And I, I mean, you know, you, you just think this honeymoon's going to end for the kid, and he, he keeps winning, keeps winning football games. It's just unbelievable, especially at this level. That offensive line will make a lot of that offensive line will make a lot of quarterbacks look good, and as long as you can no run question. the football like that, and you've got play action pass to those big receivers that Dallas has down the field, uh, that's a pretty hard combination to stop. And and their defense is playing a far better than expected. But um, at the end of the day, Dallas Cowboys are sitting atop the entire NFC with the, the Falcons tucked in right behind them. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's good to see Matt Metcalf, the Dirty Birds, Atlanta Falcons, six and three. They end up avenging their Week One loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Matt Ryan throws for four touchdowns. Um, hard to believe I'm saying this, uh, Matt, but you know, if the MVP of the NFL was held today, wouldn't Matt Ryan be a runaway winner? I mean, unbelievable, right? Well, he should be, and if I hear one more idiot on ESPN say it ought to be Tom Brady after four games, I'm going to drive to Bristol and set off a bomb. 
Um, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, but yeah, he's having a ridiculous season. Look, guys, I, I, I'm a huge Falcons fan. I thought we were looking at 5-11, and 6-10 and 10 this year. I just did not see the yeah. improvement that we have seen on the field this year. Um, so that's, that's, that's been really nice. And like I said, tucked in in a really good place in the, uh, in the NFC South right now with a couple of game lead over everybody else. But if this defense doesn't pick it up a little bit, the Falcons are, are going precisely nowhere in the postseason. Yeah. You can't give up. I think they're giving up right at 28, 30 points a game. You know, God bless Matt Ryan, Julio, and the rest of that offense for outscoring almost everyone we've played this year. But at some point, they've got to start coming up with some big plays. Yeah, I tell you, they look good at the beginning of the season. I mean, guys were stepping up and, and making plays, and they just look like they kind of stepped, took a step backward, and, and, and they, you know, they, they remind me of last year's defense after, you know, four or five games of just really, you know, really hustling, really dominating the line of scrimmage and the defensive end perspective, defensive line perspective. You just don't see that anymore, so it's sad. Well, well hopefully they can figure out actually- a way to get that. Yeah. yeah, statistically, Chip, sorry to interrupt you, they're actually yeah. much worse than last year. Last year they gave up wow. about 22 points a game, and this year again it's 28-29, and they're giving up about 50 extra yards a game. It looks better on TV. They're certainly getting more sacks. Vic Beasley is becoming the player we hoped he'd be. Um, but there just seems to be something a little bit off. Granted, you know, the Tampa Bay game on Thursday, there was a garbage touchdown toward the end, and I know that every now and then that messes up your stats, but – Um, just, just not seeing the turnovers and things like that, that I think you're going to need to, uh, to make a playoff run. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree hundred percent. Kip Kiefer, uh, Carolina and LA, the Panthers and the Rams this past weekend, Cam Newton, uh, uh, you know, lobbying a little bit to get some more flags when he's inside the pocket. Um, I don't know that that was the news that came out of the game, I think the news that came out of the game was just what an awful football game it was. 13 to 10 and and maybe even more perplexing Kip is uh with so many rookies having success and getting time at the quarterback position this year. Uh the number 1 overall pick in the NFL draft, Jared Goff, uh is not getting any action and you know, while it's not unusual for NFL teams to kind of bring kids along, bring rookies along at their own pace. What makes this unusual is just how hapless and how bad the Los Angeles Rams um, offense is, particularly their passing game uh, with Case Keenum in there. How much longer after the great start that, uh, well, L.A. lost their first game and it was awful. Then they won three in a row. Now they've lost four in Mm -hmm. a row. So, you know, how much longer can this last? Is there? Do you really think they can ride out Case Keenum for the remainder of the year at that? Excuse me, at that position. Well, it it it, it just puts even more pressure on him because, in my opinion, because now all of the uh, pundits and 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 uh, analysts are saying, well, obviously the Rams are basically by not letting him play in this desolate situation. And how they of how they've performed, uh, it's basically uh, it, they're they're certifying that they made a mistake with the first pick. Um, yeah. You know that that you know you you got all these other rookie quarterbacks contributing and and doing some great things. I mean, guys have been even Kessler in Cleveland has been cast into action. Yeah. Are you telling me he was more prepared to play for for the worst team on earth than uh, yeah. than 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 Goff, the first overall pick? Uh, there's something else to the story, and it's it, it's really uh, just a. I heard today and almost fell off the chair. Uh, Jeff Fisher defending the decision that you know he he he's not going with golf necessarily because not because he's not prepared because he still believes Case Keenum's the right man for the job. I mean, wow. <laughs> You know, come on, Jeff. Uh, what, what more evidence do you need? You've got an absolutely punchless team. Uh, Jeff Fisher's not going to have the job anymore by the, with this endorsement. And maybe deep down he knows that Goff's not going to be successful. But he can't be any – Can he? I mean, fellas, can he be worse than Keenum's been? No. Um, no. I, I guess not I, the, I, certainly I, not I the last understand. two weeks. It's not possible. Yeah, I mean, yesterday thirteen to ten was the final, but it was thirteen to three till late. I didn't even see how the Rams got their last score, but uh, it, it. You talk about just a, an operation. It's too bad too. You got a guy like Todd Gurley, and you've got some weapons there, but 
and, and, a, and a very credible defense. But my goodness, what a what a horrible offensive outfit that is. Uh, I think they need to run Jeff off and, and bring in an offensive innovator like Les Miles to shake things up out there. <laughs> speaking of <laughs> offensive innovators, speaking of offensive innovators, Steve Butler, uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, this past week, um, I would say they parted ways with North Turner. Certainly looks like North Turner parted ways with them. Uh, strange situation going on up there in Minnesota. Obviously, everybody knows they lost their quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, in a, uh, uh, a pretty bad injury in, uh, in training camp. Uh, uh, pretty devastating, the injury in training camp. And in the first game of the season, they lose Adrian Peterson. Team starts out five and zero. They've lost three in a row. Obviously, they had only lost two when when you know the game happened this weekend. But uh, what in the world is going on in Minnesota? I tell you, they got a great defense, but uh, it you know did anybody really expect a lot out of this team offensively? When in a span of uh, seventeen days, um, right before the season starts and then during the first game, you lose your starting quarterback and your starting running back. Thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings, Steve? Well, my thoughts, and everybody's been talking about maybe their defense wasn't as good as people thought either. It's hard to be a good defense when you're on the field for most of the game. And and right now, because Minnesota can't run the football at all, their leading rusher again, I think, was Ronnie Hillman for 30 yards on on Sunday. Um, it's it's going to be hard to keep keep your defense fresh, and and it's just. It's almost like a, a, a comedy of tragedies that has happened to him because it's it's nothing that anybody could do anything about. I mean, Sam Bradford can only still know so much of, of the playbook, but he still had a good game. I mean, he had 273 yards and a touchdown. But let's give Detroit a little bit of credit. Detroit has been playing really good football now for about the last three or four weeks. And if Matt Stafford continues to play well and, and they can get decent running games out of Theo Riddick, Detroit might actually challenge for that division. I mean, that whole division is just a mess. Green Bay, once again, looked horrible this weekend. They sure did, um, and and you're exactly right about Detroit. They're the big, I think, surprise this year for everybody. I mean, Megatron retires. I think everybody thought they were going to take a step backward, and uh, it's almost like Matt Stafford, uh, you know, got a chip on his shoulder and said, you know what, I can play at this league, and I can be a good quarterback in the NFL without uh, Calvin Johnson catching passes. I didn't think he could, but it turns out he's – done a pretty good job of it and uh you know uh um they're in a, certainly in a position that i think a lot of people didn't think they would be in they were in a position i didn't think they would be in and uh um i wish i would have taken them uh you know as one of my fantasy quarterbacks because i think he's top five or top six in uh fantasy statistics so uh certainly overachieving in that perspective too matt metcalf uh new orleans saints and uh the san francisco 49ers played this weekend out on the west coast colin kaepernick uh finally puts together a very good game statistically at the quarterback position had just under 300 yards at halftime had just under 400 yards for um for the entire game but the 49ers could only muster a field goal in the second half and uh and the New Orleans Saints go into San Francisco and defeat Chip Kelly and the 49ers 41 to 23. Matt, let me ask you this. Do you think after a 1 and 7 start with not a whole lot of hope on the horizon for Chip Kelly, is there a chance that Chip Kelly is one and done in San Francisco or uh you think the uh the 49ers brass are going to give him more time to turn this around? Uh, well, they've done it before. Uh, mm-hmm. They they pulled the trigger on him. Tom Sula. I can't pronounce Thank you. I knew I was going to butcher yeah. his last name, so I appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, they've done it before. I, I think it would be stupid and asinine to do it again. Um, I mean, yeah, let's just look. The, the franchises that are, are perpetually good in this league, they keep some continuity. Belichick, Tomlin. I mean, even the Falcons today re-signed Dimitrov to a three-year extension. Um so, again, wouldn't be surprised if they pulled the trigger, but I think it would be a horrible move. Look, Chip Kelly, no one knows yet if it's going to work for him in the NFL because he's never had a quarterback that fits his system. Um, and, and San Francisco just has so many other woes. Guys, they're just not a good football team. 
t- you can no. run the offense all you want, but they've 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 given up 260 points this season. Um, yeah. That's you know that that's just not good. That's, that's not that's good. Cleveland. Yeah, that's Cleveland <laughs> Browns bad is what it is. They are, they're they're the worst in the league right now at 273. Um, so lots of problems in San Francisco. I, I, you know, put the pol- political stuff aside. This ain't Kaepernick. This ain't Kelly. This is just a team. You know, you let, let's look at the GM. Let's look at Trent, and uh, and really start talking about how that talent level, starting in Harbaugh's last year, just fell off the table. Um, yeah. So fast, and it can happen in the NFL. We've all seen it. Um, but uh, you know. You go from the uh, the Super Bowl in just a few years to what looks like a team that might go two and fourteen. Yeah, it's insane. They they kind of pulled an organ in a hurry, didn't they? I mean, uh, yeah. just incredible, yeah. incredible, unbelievable. Kip, we got the Monday Night Football game tonight. Uh, we had mentioned it earlier. The Buffalo Bad Boy Pete Tasca cannot join us tonight because he is in preparation. He's getting his game face on. He's like a fighter in the mm-hmm. locker room before he comes out to the ring. And they're about to do a kickoff over there in Seattle at Century League Field. Kip, what do you think's going to happen tonight? Let me give you six points to think about. Seattle's a six-point favorite on the road. Um, you know, both of these teams have really been Jekyll and Hyde this year. They've got multiple personalities. You know, um, they both look really, really good at times, and then they both look god-awful at times. So what do you think is going to happen tonight in Seattle? Well, I, I think Seattle's a pretty desperate team after the recent road trip where they played the scintillating 6-6 tie with the Cardinals and then uh, went to New Orleans and, and managed to lose to the Saints. Uh, they, they really they really need a win. Um, uh, they're fortunate in the fact that the NFC West is almost as bad as the NFC North. Um, with with the, the, the Cardinals struggling, the Rams are absolutely pathetic, and we've just discussed the 49ers. So the Seahawks will probably be able to win that division, uh, even playing just a little bit over 500. But that defense is too good. Uh, LaShawn McCoy is a big key. He didn't play last week. He's coming back. He's, he's supposed to be in the lineup tonight. Um, if he's healthy, I think the Bills have a chance here. But I, I just think Seattle's going to be an inspired football team, and their offense has been really pedestrian. Um, you, you got to think that at some point uh, Russell Wilson's going to revert back to form. He said uh, in an interview this weekend he's healthier than he's been since opening day. And the Seahawks better hope that that's the case because uh, they need Russell Wilson to be hitting on all cylinders to be an effective offense. And I think that's what we'll see tonight. So I know Pete's getting taped up right now and um, and, and getting ready to go. But 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 I I I, I hope he uh, uh, and 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 I know, I know just just the nature of, of Pete's uh, demeanor. He's he's really not counting on a win. Uh, uh, any anything any success out there would be great. So. Pulling for Pete, but I, I think Seattle probably gets it done. I hear you, Mr. Savage Burns, Steve Butler. Your prediction tonight, Monday Night Football. Well, first of all, I'm doing the show wearing a Buffalo Bills shirt in honor of our good friend, the bad boy, there you Pete go. Aska. Um, But I think this evening the Bills might be able to pull it off. Um, I know that they're a little banged up still at the running back position, but uh, Seattle has had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL for two seasons now. They're really bad. In fact, uh, nobody got hit more in the NFL last year than, than Russell Wilson. So um, long story short, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang in there with the Bills, and they're going to pull an upset this evening. I hear you, Matt Metcalf. Uh, you got six points. You got Seattle minus six. You putting money on the favorites, or do you like the Buffalo Bills in the underdog position tonight? Well, I, I like that you have the line on the game. Do you have the over/under on uncalled defensive pass interference on Richard Sherman? Because that that might be the key to the game. Uh, you know, if it was a Super Bowl, we we probably would, and that would be a great prop to have. I like that. I, I mean, this guy gets away with murder. Uh, look, I um, if this game were being played in Orchard Park, I would actually really like the Bills. The one yeah. thing the Seahawks have done this year is they're three and zero at home. Uh, they've yeah. been a, they've been a debacle on the road, um, but you know by hook or by crook they've they've won every game at home. Uh, the Bills just still seem a little out of sorts to me. Uh, you know, like I said, they've had some injuries, but it it just seems like you know win one lose one win a go. They're they're on a two game losing streak. When your coach just flat comes out and says, "Look, we're not playing for the division title anymore," I mean, what's yeah. the motivation? 
No, I'm not saying yeah. that's wrong. They're three games behind the Patriots, and this just in: the Patriots have been pretty good the last few years. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but I, uh, uh, I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be ugly, and I think you know, Stephen Hushka comes out there at the last second, makes a 52-yard field goal, and they, you know, they they win 13 to you know, 10 or something like that. <laughs> I like it. So 13 to 10, it looks like you're taking the bills with the points. I like the bills with the points. I'll take six and take the Buffalo bills. And that's not in honor of our good friend, Pete Tasca. That's because I'm not a believer in the Seattle Seahawks this year. And, uh, and I just think that Buffalo team is going to keep it close tonight. I think they're getting better on defense. Like you said, Matt, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, uh, I think it's a good matchup for Buffalo. I think it's a good matchup. I, you know, I don't know that, you know, kind of having it on Monday night, you know, helps them. We'll see. I think Rex Ryan can get his guys fired up. So we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, and, uh, I would encourage everybody, uh, we are wrapping up. I told you we only had an hour here tonight. So appreciate everybody joining us on an election edition of, uh, the Red Zone Sports Report. We will be back next week at the same time we normally are on Tuesday nights at um, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, so I would encourage everybody to be there. And uh, again, it is Election Eve, so uh, everybody make sure you take some time to go out and vote. Uh, polls open at 7 a.m. tomorrow. They close at, uh, uh, depending on what state you are, 7 p.m., uh, Eastern time here in Georgia, and uh, I believe it's uh, 7.30 over in Alabama. So, uh, in any event, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Red Zone Sports Report, Steve Butler, Mr. Savage Byrne, Kip Kiefer, Matt Metcalf, thank you so much for joining us this week, as always. And uh, we will catch everybody uh, next week at our regularly scheduled time. Uh, 8.30 on Tuesday, the Red Zone Sports Report. We will go over all of the action uh, in the NFL as well as uh, some big games coming up this weekend in college football. So we'll see you next week on the Red Zone Sports Report. 